a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So, should we put all our hopes and dreams in one politician, one political party, even a bureaucracy? Maybe that's not quite the best idea. Uh, There's a fascinating new piece in the New York Times about the dangers of centralized power and why we need to return our government back to a system of checks and balances and why both political parties, members of Congress, seem all too happy to give away their power rather than protect it as the founders envisioned. And while when Congress or the executive branch abdicate their authority, it also makes it incredibly difficult for there to be any kind of accountability. I spoke with the author of this piece in the New York Times. He's from AEI. The piece is called This is No Way to Rule a Country. And this is my conversation with Gregory Weiner from AEI from earlier today. Really pleased to have our next guest with us. Greg Weiner uh, is joining us. He is a non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, he is also uh, with Assumption University in Massachusetts, and uh, is a great thinker, extraordinary writer. And the piece that caught my attention uh, was a piece he uh, recently wrote in the New York Times called This Is No Way to Rule a Country. And uh, Greg joins us on the line now. Greg, thanks for jumping on. Thanks so much for your kind words. It's good to be here. Wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into the piece. This is something that's uh, near and dear to my heart and uh, something we talk about regularly on this program. And uh, it, it's really looking at the separation of powers, not as a romantic kind of thing, but uh, as the way things are supposed to get done. Give us just a little bit of the backstory in terms of getting into this piece. I, I think we have a fundamental constitutional problem, which is legislators who don't want to legislate. And uh, the, the, the way that happened in this particular the, the episode that I was writing about was the uh, the evictions moratorium where we had this bizarre site, and truly constitutionally bizarre in, in, in Madisonian terms, of legislators standing on the steps of the U.S. Capitol having failed to pass uh, a moratorium on evictions themselves, demanding that the president did it. And at the same time, the president is over in the White House uh, uh, press room saying that, that Congress needs to do it. So it, as I described it in the piece, it, it, Madison expects the separation of powers to be something like a, a, a tug of war, at least occasionally to, to involve a tug of war. And this was more like hot potato. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we see that over and over again. It seems like we've lost this uh, uh, thing that I think, the, as you pointed out in your piece, that the framers 
really assumed there would be this jealous guarding of authority and power and encroachments by whether the executive branch or the legislative branch. And now it seems to me that the uh, the legislative branch is sort of shrugging its shoulders and willingly abdicating uh, over to the uh, to the executive branch. The executive branch seems all too happy to to take that. And then, of course, it ends up in the courts. And we wonder why our uh, battles over the Supreme Court justices are so hotly contested. I think that's exactly right. I've, I've compared a Supreme Court nomination or, or confirmation, I should say, to a single piece of legislation that covers the totality of policy that can't be amended and you have to just vote up or down. Uh, it's a very clumsy way to resolve disputes, whereas if these, these things were resolved in Congress as opposed to either the executive branch or the courts, which are winner-take-all institutions, it would force some conversation and, and compromise and, and uh, take account much better the nuances of public views, which, which are not black and white. Uh, things they shift from issue to issue as they as they should. It's it's not uh, politics is not as simple as saying I voted for or against Joe Biden and therefore you know my positions on everything. Yeah, and uh, I want to dig even deeper into that because one of the things that really fascinated me in your piece, Greg, was really it's really kind of the acid test. I think is what you called it. That uh, it's always easy to yell at your enemies. It's another thing to, to tell your friends they're wrong. And you talk about Congress uh, not being willing to assert their authority against a president of their own party. That's right. And I, I, I wrote exactly the same thing in early 2017 in, in modern age, that when you have a president and Congress that are controlled by the same party, you have a really meaningful test of whether the legislature cares about legislative jurisdiction. And I would argue in both cases, and I would apply this to both parties, they really don't. It, it's uh, it's something I think James Madison could not conceptualize, I think partly because the idea of a celebrity politics was so far beyond his, his imagination. Uh, back in a day when the, the national government was not terribly powerful, when you know they had to play diplomats' hazardous duty pay to serve in, in Washington and uh, and so forth. W- what we have instead now is is largely stagecraft uh, happening in mm-hmm. in Congress. It's a it's a Yuval Levin of, of AEI has said that this is, it's become a performative yeah. platform, uh, performative institution. Uh, and and it, it takes on, as I, as I wrote in the piece, all the characteristics or all the, all the vices, I should say, of a parliamentary system with none of the benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so interesting. And, and I do think it's interesting, too. And, and uh, you pointed out, uh, Greg, that, uh, you know, we've we've become so obsessed with the presidency and and to hear members of Congress. Again, we can be equal opportunity offenders uh, from the left and the right have both done this over the last couple of decades. Uh, that suddenly Congress feels like their job is to enact the agenda of the president of their party when, again, as I read it, I don't think that's actually their job. That's not at all their job. It's I, I would argue uh, personally that it's reversed, that the, the presidential power is really derivative. The, the name is execute. You have to have something to execute. Madison, Madison wrote that in the 1790s. Uh, so I, I think it's exactly flipped, and I think not only do they see their their role as either supporting or opposing the president's agenda, but when it's enacted, it tends to be in such vague uh, terms that it that it empowers the bureaucracy to fill in all the meaningful details. So it's so uh, vital for us to, to take uh, a real look. One of the other things that uh, Greg pointed out is that the the real acid test for the separation of powers is whether members of Congress are willing to assert their authority against a president of their own parties. 
Uh, I would say that uh, and agree with Greg that Democrats failed that on the evictions moratorium, just as the Republicans did on handing off authority to President Trump during his administration. And, you know, Congress, uh, Congress needs to unify. Uh, We always talk about Congress coming together and unifying. If there's one thing, one thing that we really, really need Congress to unify on, it is protecting their legislative power. Uh, It's absolutely collapsed in our country. And too often Congress is abdicating their authority, their power to the legislative branch. Why? Because it makes their life easier. It makes their life easier. But as Greg pointed out, it gives us kind of a parliamentary system rather than the way the founders actually set our country up to run uh, and to thrive. Because it's far too easy. We've used this example before on this program that it's easy for Congress to pass a bill that has a really nice name to it and then kind of leave all the details to the executive branch. You know, we hereby bequeath to the executive branch all the power to define what this is, what it isn't, and determine the penalties and then carry out the execution of those penalties. And then that way, when a constituent complains about something, they can shrug their shoulders, it is national, blame someone else day, and they can say, don't don't look at me, I just passed the wonderfully sounding named bill. Uh, if you have a problem, go talk to the executive branch. Go talk to uh, the people in the agencies who are not elected, and when the people go to them, they can say, tough, uh, you can't throw me out because I'm not elected. And the problem perpetuates. Well, we're going to stay with the question a little bit longer on this today. We're going to continue my conversation with Gregory Weiner coming up after the break. And we're going to talk about how centralizing a power in Washington is actually filtering down all the way to the county and city level and may actually be influencing your vote. Hear what he has to say about that coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.